Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, it's been too long, man. Like, we haven't spent a while. You've been, you've been kind of, you know, double duty in it, doing some Pacer stuff. They make some big trades. You know, Halliburton's going to the All-Star game. The All-Star game's in Indy. So it was hard to find a little time to, to do this and, and get back on, on, on track with the Colts stuff. But here we are. We are post-Super Bowl, post-Senior Bowl, depending on, you know, I don't know what's bigger for fans out there looking at prospects or watching the big game. Uh, <laughs> what matters more at this point? But we are officially into the 2024 offseason and excited to talk about the Colts. We'll have a lot more to talk about uh, throughout the season. Free agency is a month away at this point. Lots of draft stuff coming up. We'll have the combine even you know even sooner than that. End of this month, it will start. So lots to get into. But the first thing, the most important thing, the only thing that matters, right, James, is Anthony Richardson updates news. How's he doing? Is he going to be back? Is he throwing? Uh, all those things. What, what's going on with Anthony Richardson? That's the money question, right? But I know that he posted, I want to say, two days ago about, it was actually Super Bowl Sunday about him being able to throw soon. Now, in the video he posted to Instagram, everyone was like, oh my gosh, he's throwing again. Look at the ball. Look at this. But he did have an hourglass emoji in it, and it said soon. So my assumption is that he isn't throwing just yet, which would line up with the timeline of his recovery. He underwent surgery on his AC joint on October 24th. He told us when we talked to him at the hospital months later that his recovery was about 16 weeks. That was what the projection was. And 16 weeks will put him around mid-February, so he is getting closer. I would also tell everybody out there, when he's saying, oh, I'll be clear to throw a football again, that perhaps does not mean he's going to rip it 50 yards his first throw. It might be one of those things where he can throw a football, you know, 10 yards, 15, 20, and gradually work his way up. Just remind or remember out there, everyone listening, that, this is the franchise quarterback. They're not going to rush this gym. They will be naive to do that. They will be reckless to do that. They're going to take their time. I know when we last spoke to him, well, not last spoke to him, but we initially spoke to him after the surgery, which is at the hospital at Riley's, he basically said, I want to be able to, you know, throw next month. And that was back in December, meaning he wants to throw in January. To my knowledge, that has not been the case. He is still on the mend. But regardless, it is something positive to sort of inject into the Colts. Um, into the offseason, as you mentioned, about how we're kind of turning the page. You know, last season he was hurt a lot, but now, you know, even in some of my stories recently, Jim, I've had to refrain from calling him the rookie quarterback anymore because the season's officially over now. And now he's, you know, second year sophomore Anthony Richardson. As listeners of this podcast know, I was excited about Anthony Richardson quite a bit 
quite quite very very optimistic about how he was going to perform uh, going into the year. But I can't imagine, and I can't actually I say I can't. I'm starting to see the swell of excitement uh, around Anthony Richardson, having seen him play in just four games, really, and and how much everybody is expecting. And you and I had a fun conversation yesterday. It was more when we were discussing stories. Um, but I think it's like it's interesting to get into. Is like it almost seems like by the time the 2024 season comes around, I mean we're seven months away essentially from kickoff. I I just kind I can't help but feel like there are going to be fans especially because of the fantasy thing like if you look at where Anthony Richardson is in fantasy right now he's like quarterback like six or seven because of the rushing and all that stuff and that's so different than the actual NFL game my point being is like he's already close to the CJ Stroud tier in fantasy and I think people are going to be putting him on the CJ Stroud tier next year (laughs) and (laughs) I am again I was I, I don't think I was leading the bandwagon Anthony Richardson but I was up front on that yeah, bandwagon. you were you were like, me for sure yeah and even I I, I would say we gotta maybe pump the brakes a little bit on it and I know <laughs> you're definitely like just take a second give the give this guy room to grow absolutely and I'm on a tangent here but I think of it because of his age the spotlight he's under the franchise the league the biggest league in the in the you know North America and so I think of it like how I wrote this recently in the athletic, actually before Tyrese Halliburton played his first game for the Pacers, before he played his first game, the day that they basically announced the not announced the trade, but when Kevin Pritchard Pacers president came out and spoke to the media about why they made the trade, he said, you know, we think that we just got our Andrew Luck or our Peyton Manning. And I was like, this dude is delusional. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what do you, what do you mean by this? I'm like, if he was that good, Sacramento would never trade him, yada, yada, yada. And I, it wasn't like I was hating on Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. I knew he was good. I knew he could be good. But I'd be lying if I said he'd be like all-star game starter, arguably top 15 player in the NBA. When he was healthy this year, he's dealing with some hamstring stuff right now. But point being, with the way Kevin Pritchard came out to back Tyrese, it's like Chris Ballard is taking the opposite approach, even though he's in the same sport now, with the Manning, with the Luck. And he's saying... No, let's not crown him. He's not that person. He's not those guys. He's himself. And we don't know yet what all he could be. And so that's been a point of emphasis for Chris Ballard is to just not put so much pressure on this dude to be the guy right away. Because even though his four games in five weeks were promising, and I do mean they were promising, I I, I would say right now I'm leaning towards being more of a believer in him becoming a guy than not but it's not as strong as I feel about C.J. Stroud. Like, for C.J., I'm like, okay, he's a top-10 quarterback right now today. He's their franchise quarterback for the future. He's that dude. I saw him in big moments, step up, play well, win a playoff game. Obviously, we saw what he did against the Colts. I cannot say those things about Anthony Richardson right now. I can think them, but there's going to be ups and downs and some downs that maybe we didn't even get to see because he really didn't hit any low points. I don't, I don't think so. Throughout his rookie oh, just season. the injuries. Yeah, that was pretty much it. But like play style wise, he didn't have like a downright awful game when he was out there for those four games. However, you do wonder again, how much growth can you have when you're not getting the live reps? When that was the biggest knock on him, Jim. We talked about that endlessly before the draft. We talked about it endlessly after he got hurt and was out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. How will this affect his development if he hasn't actually had the live reps? That's the question. 
It is a big question, and it's it's fair to ask, and it seems like that that guy stayed as invested as he possibly could as a guy on the sideline. You know, he's going to all the games. He's it seemed like he was involved in you know the film discussions, and it you know again it also seems like Gardner Minshew was a willing and and capable leader in that way of trying to help him learn, even as Gardner Minshew was you know trying to win games as a starting quarterback for the Colts. So it seems like everything trended in the direction that you'd want it to trend, that he was responsible. Um, and then he, you know, that he took responsibility for his own education within the NFL. But we won't know. We won't know until we see him play next year how much he learned, how much he missed out on. Because as you said, you know, that was the big conversation going into the draft was like, well, he's a year away from being a year away, or like he's got to sit on the bench for a year. And I think a lot of people were like, and including myself, were saying, he needs to play. The guy has He's watched plenty of football. He needs to get on the field and play. Like, yeah, he's saying the same thing. He yeah, <laughs> he's saying the so, same thing. So he got to watch a lot of football this year again, and that's great. Again, there's a lot you can learn, learn about being a pro, but this is the offseason where he gets to be a pro the whole time. There's no combine to prepare for. There's no pro days to prepare for. There's no interviews, no all that crap he's got to do getting ready for the draft. All it is is understanding Shane Sagan's offense, what he's expected to do, and and how he can be the best version of himself. And that's that's really exciting to talk about in theory. And again, I can feel us getting to that point where by the time August and September come around and train he play, you know, he looks good in training camp and if they expose him, you know, a little bit in in preseason, everyone's going to get real excited about it and I'm I'm positive I'll be right there with them. But I also got to remember to dial it back a little and just remember that like you said, CJ Stroud did it in more than four times as many games as as Anthony. Even if you wanted to compare them you know, they were even in their first four games. Great. Whatever. I don't know if you would even agree with that, but Shroud showed it over four, almost five times as many games um, than, than Anthony Richardson did. So, again, we got to dial it back, let the guy grow. He seems like he's doing all the things that he should be doing. But not to give away too much of the story that I know you're going to want to write later, but this team should, if you're a fan of this team, you should obviously be excited about Anthony Richardson. You should absolutely want them to bring back Michael Pittman and maybe even draft another weapon in, in the early rounds of the draft. But what you should be wanting and hoping and focusing on is that this remains a running team that is built on on, on where Jonathan Taylor can carry the load often. I don't want to say the majority of the time because it's still a quarterback-driven league, but where Jonathan Taylor can carry the load, take the burden off Anthony Richardson in a, in a large swath of the games next season because that will make his life the easiest and that is when he'll be most effective absolutely i mean it took a while for it to happen because jt was dealing with his own injuries obviously there was the ankle at the beginning of the year the thumb injury towards the end of the year he missed seven games overall but in that last game i was like this dude is a superstar and that was my first time since joining the beat and seeing superstar JT, I'd heard about it. It's kind of like the same thing with Shaq. Obviously the injuries, unfortunately kind of robbed me of seeing that version of him, but from talking to all the guys on the beat, all the reporters, all the people around the building to see JT have that moment. I, w I just kept thinking, wow, all you got was two plays with Anthony Richardson. I think he might've been involved in one of the plays like a pitch. And so you wonder what could that mean? You kind of salivate over what that could look like together. And before Anthony even showed as much promise that he had, the idea was always to offload some of the pressure with one of the best skill position players in the NFL. And I think that's still the approach you need to have because I'm not sure 
about and Anthony showed a lot, but you know, handing him the keys and just saying go, I don't know just yet. You know, still young, still a bit unproven, promising, you know, nonetheless. But hey, you signed JT for a reason. You have him here under contract for the next, you know, three years. Use it. You know, make sure you capitalize on that time and that uh tandem and just their overall athleticism together. Because I don't think that we're going to see, you know, knock on wood here, if Anthony stays healthy, a more dynamic quarterback running back duo in the, in the NFL. We might see better ones. Um, you know, obviously, just coming off the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey come to mind. But no one's going to be arguing against me saying that Anthony's more athletic than him. And so what things can you do? to utilize that and to kind of expand on that in ways that might be a little bit more unique than other franchises. And I think Shane Steichen, you know, nine and eight in year one, got three third place votes for coach of the year. I think if they win that last game, get to the playoffs, he's probably in contention for coach of the year and actually a finalist. But all that to say, he's the guy who, if anyone is to be trusted to utilize certain skill sets, he will do it and he will maximize it. And I can tell you right now, you know, he's probably uh, – I just picture Shane's offseason being like – you know how you watch movies and have like the security uh, – like this, like the security offices with all the, all the TVs, all you can see everything going on? I feel like that's him. And he just has like clips of different players and plays from different eras or, or different offenses. And he's just sitting there <laughs> like taking notes and scrolling like, yep, that's the one I'll use with Anthony. That's the one I'll use with Pittman. That's the one I'll use with JT. All right. And I'll tweak that a little bit on that side to make sure this works because – I can tell you without a doubt that he's probably already diving into what next season looks like. Um, obviously, there's been some some staff changes. You know, they hired uh, Charlie Partridge for their defensive line coach. Um, he replaces Nate Ali. They hired Alex Tanney, who was the QB coach in Philly last season. Worked with Steichen two seasons before that. Coming over to be a um, passing game coordinator as well. And then they have Justin Hamilton coming over from the Tennessee Titans to be an assistant DB coach replacing Mike Mitchell. But all of that considered, don't think that his mind is just on, okay, I fill out my staff. What process can we look at? He's looking at everything. Um, he's like the all seeing eye, big brother, a Shane Steichen that is. And so I'm excited about it. I think, you know, and the team is excited about it. Even when I talked to JT and I'll never forget, I put, I put it in my story. Uh, he hugged, AR after that season ending loss and told him to get ready. And so that to me just kind of gave me some chills. Cause I'm like, Oh man, like, you know, can we just fast forward? I know, you know, I asked for an off season. Then I go throw myself into the Pacers stuff. And now I'm like, ah, you know, let's just skip ahead till week one. But obviously a lot can change between now and then, which we'll get into uh, in this podcast. But I'm just saying that, um, you know, things are looking up for the Colts and rightfully so, after a promising season. And then again, it just comes down to not comes down to solely Anthony's shoulder, but obviously a big part of that is getting him healthy, getting him and JT some chemistry together. Cause remember they hadn't even practiced together. Right. But right. they played together. They hadn't had any practices hardly. So it, an entire off season was healthy. Anthony Richardson, probably from OTAs and into like training camp into the season will be huge for sure. I think I want to transition that into, you know, watching the Super Bowl and kind of looking around at some of the things that that we could pull and mine from from what we saw in that game to, to what the Colts can try to build toward. I think there were a couple of things that stood out. Um, 
first is is you mentioned Brock Purdy already and the dynamo of a team they put around him in terms of having a, a rookie quarterback and then you know on a, a relatively cheap deal now Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant so his deal is cheaper <laughs> yeah. than just about everybody's um so he's cheaper than Anthony Richardson but not you know not by a, a significant amount and what they were able to build around him offensively and defensively and able to take that team to this has been a team that's gone to four straight NFC championship games and, and two of them were effectively led by you know two of them were effectively led by Purdy it was a little bit later in the second two years ago but point being is then you look back maybe even at last year and the Jalen Hurts Super Bowl team and the team they put around him on a rookie quarterback contract and you got and again Steichen was there for that but he's you got AJ Brown Devontae Smith Dallas Goddard a, a promising offensive line a pass rush that you couldn't stop I mean this is the offseason where I think Chris Ballard has to look at those two teams in the NFC and how they got there with the rookie quarterback contract structure and say, I'm not saying he has to be all chips in. I I really am not. I I don't necessarily, I think he can be tactical with his aggression, but I think he should be aggressive to say, if we have the guy and we just had this conversation, we don't know for sure if Richardson's the guy, but if we have the guy, we don't want to miss a window a year where we could be in it. Now, this is the AFC. It's not the NFC where it's a little more open. This is still, you still Patrick Mahomes world. We're all living in here. But I think if you can try to pry open that window by making smart, but aggressive off season decision decisions and adding talent around him, spending now while you have the resources and Richardson is cheap for the next three years, plus the fifth year option, which is not as cheap, but still you can be in the hunt and stay young as some of these teams have been. Now, I know Philly pushed in and they're a little bit older. The 49ers pushed in and a little bit older. I'm not even saying they should be as aggressive as some of those teams, but looking at those teams in the championship, in the Super Bowl, and looking at the the talent around their young quarterbacks and how that elevated those young quarterbacks, I think it's something that's got to be attractive uh, to the Colts. We'll get into the other aspect of, of the other thing in the Super Bowl I know you want to talk about, but let me know what you think of that first part. You know what? I agree. I will take it a step further to say... They're in the AFC, right? So the urgency kind of has to be heightened because of the quarterbacks who are in the AFC and even in your division. You know, I can't say right now today that Anthony is better than CJ Stroud. I can't say right now today he's better than Trevor Lawrence. I think that in theory, he's the third best quarterback right now in the conference. Yeah, that's fair. But that's not enough. That's not what you're shooting for, obviously. And then you look at just the conference as a whole, and you have the Joe Burrow, who's going to be healthy again next year, Aaron Rodgers, who's coming back next year. You have Lamar Jackson, who's now a two-time league MVP, you know, one of, you know, I think it's probably less than 10 quarterbacks who won multiple MVPs in the NFL. So, again, and obviously you have Thanos, <laughs> who is yeah, Josh Allen and then Thanos, know, like you said. Yeah. yeah. You got, so, so yeah, yeah. And, and everyone knows out there Thanos is Patrick Mahomes. So where even you might think, okay, we tweak something here or there in the NFC, it doesn't work the same in the AFC. And I think you're all trying to one, knock off the best player, best team dynasty of this era. And in doing so, you have to face a lot of really great players along the way. And I heard this analogy on TV and it was spot on to me in a sense. And maybe I read it somewhere too, where it feels like Patrick Mahomes is sort of on like this Michael Jordan-esque run where he's 
beating really good quarterbacks who are going to be Hall of Famers someday, you know, like a Josh Allen, like a Lamar Jackson. These are Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, obviously, if he stays healthy, is kind of on that trajectory, but he's kind of like beating him and throwing them by the wayside because they're so good. And you have to hope that even if you aren't considered, you know, the best quarterback or the best team of that era, if there's a chink in that armor, do you have a guy who could rip it open? And so far, you know, there hasn't been anybody in the playoffs who's done that to Patrick Mahomes other than Tom Brady, the other goat. But I would say that's what you're chasing. That's what you're chasing is an opportunity to be the best in this small window that you have, because it does get considerably more difficult to build around quarterbacks on big contracts. And now, you know, because the rich get richer, even when the Chiefs went cheap, they still won. And even with Patrick Mahomes, he got paid years ago. Now his contract looks great compared to other guys because he's not even getting paid as much money as, you know, a, a guy like Justin Herbert who hasn't had nearly as much playoff success. So, and, and that's not a shot at Justin Herbert at all. I'm just saying that they're not going anywhere. So what are you doing to try to play catch up? They're going to get better. To, yeah. They're going to get better. And, and, to, and to get there. So um, I think that because of that, maybe this is a good segue for our podcast. What do you think has to maybe shift in Chris Ballard's approach to the offseason? You know, they're going to have, you know, a ton of cap space. I think it's 58 million. What is it? Fifth among teams going into the offseason. I know it's top six or seven. It's fifth. Yep. Yeah, yeah. At least according to over the caps estimates right now. Yep. Exactly. So how does that maybe shift how he should approach this offseason, Jim, given that he did say we're in it to win this thing next year as far as the AFC South title. Our goal should be to make the playoffs. I know everyone kind of laughed at that, but realistically, I know last year that wasn't a realistic goal. This year it is. So what needs to change to make sure that they make good on that and finally get over that hump and get back to the playoffs for the first time since 2020? Yeah, it's a great question. And here's what I'll say is that Chris Ballard at this point does no, no longer has control over whether or not Anthony Richardson becomes better than Trevor Lawrence or CJ Stroud or Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have control. He, he, you can hope you got the right guy in place to, to mentor him in, in Shane Steichen. But right this, at this point, that's pretty much out of his control. What is within his control is building a roster around this guy that is capable of winning when he is playing you know, good to great football. And that's what you're hoping he's going to be able to do because otherwise there's no point in building a good to great roster. It's just not going to happen. So he has the control over to be able to do that. Can he build a, a 49ers-esque team, an Eagles-esque team, those teams that were loaded you know, every time, like the last two years, I think everybody going in the Super Bowls have said, hey, those teams are, they have more all around talent than the Chiefs. They're, they, you know, top to bottom, one through 53, they're a better team than the Chiefs, but it didn't end up mattering, right? But they got there. They were in the big, they were in the game and they both had chances to win the Super Bowl. So can you build a roster like that? Even like Buffalo, this is another good example of a team that you can, can you build a great team around this guy? And now I know Allen's paid, but again, that's what he has control over. So yes, I think. Like I said, I think he has to be more aggressive. And I think he can be in a way. Um, I know in the past he's had some veteran quarterbacks that they, they wanted to win with, but they were obviously a tad more expensive. So that does prohibit you being <laughs> yeah, just, just a, a little bit more. Right, yeah. Just, it does prohibit you being as aggressive as you as you want to be. But in this case, for the first time since, well, I guess he's, since he's been a GM of the Colts, like they they have, yeah. They were, you know, Andrew Luck was already paid at that. <laughs> I was going to say that's so, a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. So he's on a rookie. He's got a rookie quarterback who I, 
I think he believes in, you know, given everything he said about Anthony Richardson, that he can go out and afford to be aggressive. Does that mean he's going to make a big splash on day one? I don't know. There are some guys out there that I think would be really fun fits. You know, if, Jay, if the Bears let Jalen Johnson go away, if the Chiefs let Legereus Sneed get away, he's a few years older, but still like. You hand them a bag of money and you tell them to come to Indianapolis and win with us. That's what you yeah, do. Like, I don't think either guy's getting away. But yeah, to your point, I don't think that's a yeah. hard decision. You need cornerbacks back up the Brinks truck. <laughs> yeah, to me, you all of a sudden, like in your cornerback depth chart, if you bring in a guy like Jalen Johnson or or Legarius Sneed, and then you say Juju Brenz is a two, everybody else that pushes down a spot, you're like, okay, yeah, I feel a little bit better about that guy at two. I feel a little bit better about that guy at three. If you bring back Kenny Moore, he's not your best corner anymore, which is good. That's what you want. You want Kenny Moore to be a great slot player and slot option, and he's got Legarius Sneed on the outside. You don't have to worry about ever, you know, in base formations sliding Kenny out there at all. You don't. That's not what you need to do. So there. There are things that they can do um, and, and be aggressive. And again, some of these guys will get to free agency that were a little bit yeah, that will surprise us. Maybe it's Metabuke from the Ravens and it's an interior, you know, another interior defensive tackle. And you just again, it's a little non-traditional to spend so much money when you already have DeForest Buckner. But maybe you maybe you just say we're going to wreck the interior of, of 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 teams, and that's an interesting way to go about it. You're going you're to have to be tactical about it. It might not be the way that we're all thinking about it because a month from now seven of these guys could be franchise tagged and they're just not going to hit the free agent market the way, you know, Colts fans would hope. But again, to your point about Ballard's mentality, I think he can be more aggressive and should be more aggressive going after building block type players um, in free agency. You know, again, if he wants to add some older veterans as, you know, secondary pieces to help make it a, you know, a, a legit team, that's fine. But I think you can go after true upgrades. So say maybe Xavier McKinney goes, you know, is a free agent that hits the, is a safety free agent that leaves from the giants. Is he an upgrade over Julian Blackman? I kind of think he is. And maybe you can say, you know, in normal years, maybe we'd bring back Julian Blackman or maybe we'll do both. Maybe you bring back Julian Blackman and you sign Xavier McKinney, just things like that. But like you can be a tad more aggressive instead of saying, this is good enough. Go for the extra a little bit more because you have them. You have the capital. And you have the reason to. You have the coach. You have the quarterback. And you have answers to those to those two to those two questions from last season. Last year, going into this, you didn't know who your quarterback was yet. You hadn't hired your head coach yet. Well, you did, and I remember this actually because last Valentine's Day was the day that Steichen got introduced. So you're basically almost one year to the day of hiring a new head coach. So those questions are answered. You have that. You know your vision for your team. I know the biggest thing last year, even when we were, you know, in the throes of the Jonathan Taylor saga, the biggest thing was, oh, we're not going to pay anybody because we don't know what we have. That was basically the message that Chris Ballard and the team was sending. We don't know about our team. We won four games. We're not doing anything to basically hurt ourselves or our future. Now you know what you have. So it's time to kind of build on that. And I think that, you know, at some point, cap space is kind of like upside. When you look talking about a prospect, oh, you got all this upside and potential. Cap space is potential. And it's wasted potential if you never use it. I like that. Yeah. And so I'm not saying, like you said, I'm not saying go out there and just, you know, throw money at anybody and everybody because there are teams that probably regret that, you know, in hindsight from last year because there were some deals last year. I was like, what the heck is going on? But <laughs> yeah. I do think that this is a chance to make calculated improvements, 
get perhaps some more even older win-now players so you can win now. Because to me, on paper, you know, the schedule will be harder next year. That's a given. But I also think that assuming Anthony stays healthy, you don't have God get suspended for PEDs and there's other things that kind of popped up throughout the season that were really weird, then you have a chance to go after a division title. And again, for Chris Ballard, I like the guy. Straight shooter for the most part, in my opinion. But you, your resume after, I think it's going into the eighth season now, your resume is not what it should be. You have no division titles. You have a couple of playoff appearances. You don't have any deep runs in the playoffs. So you have to have something to show for. Otherwise, at what point do we you know, look at him and say, is he the right guy? I'm not saying that right now, but I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but we know Shane Sykes is going to be here. We know Anthony Richardson is going to be here. We know Jim Irsay is still going to be the owner. And so the odd man kind of out is the GM right now. We don't know. I can't say, you know, oh, he's going to be here for the next two or three years for sure. I could probably say that about the quarterback, the coach, and obviously the owner. So I'm just curious to see, one, how does this shift Chris Ballard's thinking? And then two, depending on the results, how does that shift maybe his tenure with the franchise? So um, a lot riding on this upcoming season for sure, but a lot to look forward to because I think the excitement this year is a little bit different than last year, whereas this year was all about who, what quarterback are they going to get? And that was every story I ever wrote. Now it's like, I feel like it's more challenging for me as a beat reporter because I have to think about things in a more holistic approach now rather than, oh, nothing matters with the quarterback. Ah, they got him. Nothing matters with the coach. They got him. So now it's like, okay, what do you do? Do you go cornerback in the first round? Do you go wide receiver? Do you look at edge rushers? You know, even extensions. Do you extend quitty pay? You know, do you extend dial and and other things like that? So there's a lot to kind of parse through this offseason, which will keep me busy for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a good thing to think about ahead of the season is what kind of pressure is on Chris Ballard as he goes into the into the, this next season and and if they show enough growth. Um, and that just means wins, I think. Honestly, playoff appearance. Um, to to you know reasonably defend that he should be back. Now, I don't think Jim Mercer is planning on getting rid of Chris Ballard anytime soon. I think he truly believes that he has one of the best GMs in the NFL. But as you said, the resume isn't one of the best GMs in the NFL. It's just it's just not. I mean, there's no. If ands or buts about it, it just doesn't. It's not. If you look at the resumes of the other GMs around the NFL, a lot of them have, a lot of them are better. They just are. So, the other thing I wanted to get into on the Super Bowl, I know you want to talk about briefly. It's a much smaller element, but I do think it's interesting. It kind of gets into the Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson of it all. Is that was a um, a fourth and one play um, that the Chiefs? It's a had to have it, right? Season's on the line. Super Bowl's on the line. Everything's on the line, and it's a had to have it play. And. Andy Reid and maybe Matt Nagy, I'm not sure what his role is in dialing up that play at that moment, was uh, essentially, you know, call Patrick Mahomes' number in, 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 and, and put the defense in a bind because they turned him into a runner. And that is something that obviously defenses will be a little bit more aware of when it comes to Anthony Richardson, uh, just because of his athleticism and what he does. But I know you were intrigued by it's fourth and one and... We have we have we have two options here and you can't defend both. Man, fourth and one on their side of the field, season on the line, and Patrick basically called his own number. They, you know, he he takes a snap, bounces outside, gets an easy, easy first down. And I remember watching that play and thinking that's what the Colts needed when they were facing fourth and one with their season on the line. They went to Tyler Goodson and Gardner Minshew, obviously. We can skip over the whole, was it the right play call? Was it not? I think it was the right play call. Obviously, the execution wasn't there. But all of that to say, you're not even in that position if you have Anthony Richardson. Because even if you do a fake RPO handoff or whatever the case may be with JT, who was hobbled during that last drive, you trust that if even if a guy pulls with Anthony and you hand it off, a hobble JT can get you a yard. Or if you don't go with Anthony, he's he's you know he's getting ten yards. He's getting five yards. Even if it's just the one, I think stopping a player like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and others when you just need one yard, when they have that threat to hand off or bounce outside themselves or even throw the ball themselves, it just creates so many different options and layers to what is often seen as a as a as a simple play. You know, in years past, it was Jacoby Brissett, you know, up the middle, one-yard plunge for the Colts, and it worked very well. But I think there's obviously more creativity there now where whether you sneak it, bounce outside, RPO, um, whatever the case may be, whether it's a, you know, even just if it's like a naked just run, you know, a designed run, you know, whatever the case may be, I think that when I saw that play from Patrick Mahomes, I was like, I can picture Anthony doing that exact same play and had he been in there for the season finale, maybe they aren't going home. You know, that's a lot of if, ands, or buts and things like that. But I do think that that's a play that I'll kind of hang on to, kind of file away. Because I'm curious to see how aggressive, even more aggressive, Shane Steichen is with Anthony back there, knowing that you can't account for everything. And, and this is where you have two aliens in the backfield, pick one. Either way, you're leaving. Either way, you're leaving Earth. Okay, so pick one. 
the interesting part about one of those plays too is that he had the option to throw and he had the option to throw to uh, another alien and his name was Travis Kelsey. Um, this is a reach. This is the last thing I want to do on the Super Bowl and I am admitting this is a reach and I'm projecting quite a bit on Brock Bowers here, so bear with me. But, you know, I'm looking at the rosters here the last few years. You got, you know, in the AFC Championship game, you had Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, NFC Championship game, Laporta, George Kittle. Last year, Dallas Goddard's in the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey's in the Super Bowl again, obviously. A couple years ago, it was Rob Gronkowski, though not at the peak of his powers. Um, I see what you're getting at. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. Again, yeah, listen, if you wanted to call me out, I would say, hey, you skipped over the Rams, Bengals, and neither one of them had a great tight end. I agree <laughs> with that. I, I'm not, I, listen, I'm picking my data here, but I, I'm curious. I'm curious. You, we've seen what Sykin can do with a great tight end in Dallas Goddard. We see what 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 obviously what Mahomes does with 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 Travis Kelsey. I just remember a few years ago we were talking to uh, Jim Irsay was on a Zoom and he was talking about how like the dream scenario was to get himself. He said number a, a ten and an eighty seven at the time it was Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey and him and every other owner in the NFL besides right they had him <laughs> and I. And I'm wondering. I'm again. This this is why I started this by saying it's a lot of it's a it's it's a reach. It's loose, and it's a lot of projection on on Brock Bowers to call him Travis Kelsey. And I'm not I'm not saying he even would be right away. I am saying though. I just I am curious about what that you know a deadly weapon over the middle would be uh, for this Colts offense. What what it could mean for Anthony Richardson? How Shane Sykin would use him? We talked about this on the phone the other day, and I'll you know let you in on that is that. I think tight ends are a bit of a luxury pick uh, in general in the first day or two of the draft. I definitely think they're a luxury pick in the first round of the draft. Typically, you saw the teams that, you know, Dalton Kincaid was for the Bills who are, again, I, I think he was good, but could they have picked another spot? Sure. And they needed, he helped unlock some of their passing game. Whatever. I agree with that. Laporta was obviously great with the Lions. Not a first rounder, but um, I just... I, I typically am not for taking a tight end uh, that early because I just don't know how much it's hard for tight ends to make an impact in the first couple of years. Um, but I am I am curious. I will admit that if, if 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 Brock Bowers was sitting there at 15 and looking at some of the way these teams play, especially, again, the way that Lamar likes to target Mark Andrews, the way that Hurts likes to tell, target Goddard, the way that, in my, again, I wouldn't compare Mahomes and Richardson's style of plays very, but, you know, the way he uses Travis Kelsey and the way you can use a tight end uh, to mess with opposing defenses. It was a long-winded way of me asking, like, I don't know. Anything you saw in the Super Bowl, anything you saw in the last couple of years, these championship games have make you a little more tempted to try to, to, to be a r- aggressive at tight end? I think... I don't think I'll probably be more aggressive. However, if Brock Bowers is there at 15, I think you just pick him. Okay. I think at some point you get best player available. I know he's been yeah. mocked to the Colts and a few things. And it's a little bit harder because of what you said to mock tight ends because, okay, how much of it is team need versus fit versus we're trying to win right now versus we're still building. But I think if he's there at 15, you pick him because everything I've read about this kid, watched about this kid, he's legit. And the quote that I kind of come back to, and this is from, um, I believe it might've been uh, Bruce Feldman, our, uh, big time college football reporter here at the athletic. And he spoke to one of the um, coaches on Georgia staff and he was saying, yeah, this guy's a 21 year old George Kittle. That kind of peaks your ears a little bit. Cause you know, George Kittle was a, at least the first team all pro this past year. 
Listen, and man, so, if he blocks like George Kittle, or at least has the ability to block like George Kittle, and then the like the offense stuff, sign me up. 100%. That is the thing. I've read some things. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm some blocking savant, tight end savant. <laughs> yeah. But there are some, you know, not question marks, but like maybe he isn't a top top tier blocker as he is a top tier like pass catcher and difference maker in the pass game in that way. But yeah. there aren't too many knocks on this kid as far as just like big boards go. If you look sure. at big boards, who's just the best player pound for pound position for position? He's probably top five. And yeah. so talent-wise, when I look at the Colts' roster at tight end, the reason why I probably pick Bowers is because you don't have a tight end right now that can do all the things in one. You know, with Will Mallory, he's more of a pass catcher. Colin Grant, he's undersized, more of a pass catcher. Moe's like your big traditional tight end. Um, and obviously, Drew Ogletree, he probably was the most well-rounded one, but he has the legal stuff he's going through right now. He's on a commission exempt list. Will he be on the team after everything kind of gets settled with his domestic violence charges? I don't know. And so all that to say, I don't see why you wouldn't take a crack on Brock, mainly because, well, for two reasons. One, you can never add too many offensive skill players, really talented offensive skill players around Anthony Richardson. You know, that's your job. You talked about this with the 49ers and Eagles, like surrounding young quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. And now people who scream about Brock Purdy being a game manager, you would love for Anthony Richardson to be a game manager. <laughs> like, yeah. If he took it to the Super Bowl next season, okay? So <laughs> Missy with all that. Hey, in my personal opinion, I'm, I'm ranting right now. I don't punish guys for having good teammates. And for the scheme and the offensive fit, all those things sure. to work around getting them the ball because that's that's the name of the game. That's how you win. Um, and then number two, what Shane has done with tight ends speaks to me. And so I'll give you all, and I wrote about this when I kind of gave everyone an update on Jelani Woods, who had a bunch of weird like hip issues, body was out of alignment, should be good to go, you know, this spring and, and, and should have, you know, basically had to basically rebuild his entire body, his lower body to fit his frame. So he should be 100% ready to go. I talked to him about this. He should be 100% healthy. When OTAs and you know team workouts, all those things start up in the spring. But getting back to Woods and Shane Steichen, so during Woods's rookie season, which was 2022, because he missed all of 2023, he ranked number five among tight ends with as far as his, his explosive play rate. It was at 36.4 percent among tight ends with at least 20 catches. And number four on that list was Dallas Goddard who was in Philly at the time with Shane Steichen. And so that was the talk coming into the 2023 season. It was, man, how is this guy going to use Jelani Woods? And then it kind of crashed and burned with Jelani having the hamstring issues, missing the entire season. And so while Jelani could still probably be that guy, and I wouldn't be opposed to, hey, we're going to pick somebody else, you know, Brock Bowers, whether he's there or not, we need other things on our team. I understand that. But I do think that Brock is one of the safer picks in this draft as far as floor and ceiling. His floor seems to be like, you know, really good, versatile starting tight end. And then obviously ceiling would be like all pro, pro bowl, perennial guy like that. So um, I don't want to get any Colts fans, you know, their hopes up too high. But unlike when I crushed everyone's dreams and told them that, you know, no, the Colts will not trade up and get Marvin Harrison Jr. because we would have <laughs> nothing left in Indianapolis. There is probably a more realistic possibility of Brock Bowers being in a Colts uniform. And for that, that will be really cool to see. And obviously, um, I don't think that there will be a lot of criticism over that pick, given how talented he is and your deficiencies at, at tight end already. 
Yeah, I don't see Chris Ballard maybe trading up for a tight end. I don't know that no, like giving up the fifth, the, 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 the 15th overall pick to take a tight end is probably enough for him to be like, man, that's a lot to spend on a tight end. Um, so I don't see him giving up assets to move up to get a guy like that. But if he's there, who's and he's fifth on Dane Brugler's big board in terms of just overall all, all players. So that, yeah, like you said, best player available, it would be there. And typically, I will say, teams picking in the top 10 are teams that don't they can't really afford a luxury pick like a tight end. I mean now I know I've I've seen mocks with the Chargers taking him at five and I I, I get that given given Herbert another weapon. Um but I've also seen a lot of people saying that's crazy. You need to give him more offensive line help to protect him, which I tend to agree with. But my point is I think there's a chance he could slip out of the top ten just because again, tight ends are not typically something that a bad team needs. Um but you know, after that, I don't know. And if the Colts can get him. I, I would be very intrigued. Now, again, there's plenty of, if they end up drafting a corner or a pass rusher or another major position need, then I am, I would obviously completely understand why they would do that. Absolutely. And, you know, even, yeah, pass on a guy like Bowers if he's there, kind of a thing. But if he's there, I would be very tempted. And I just, again, this is just to wind this all the way back to the Super Bowl. That's kind of why I was curious. I'm watching, you know, Kelsey had one catch for one yard in the first half and then just dominated from that point on. Um, and it would be, it'd be nice. And again, it's not like a, man, it would be cool. Well, I, can you imagine what Shane Steichen would do with a tight end, like a good tight end? I don't have to imagine. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I like. I don't like. It's not like a wasted pick or a, like a projection. Like I know if he's got a talented tight end, what he could do with heck. I mean, in your story, Colts tight ends combined were very effective last year. Like very good unit. Um, and I think he could probably do that again with a with a lesser talented group of tight ends if if need be. But I, I just am curious what you know what the amplified effect would be. Um, with somebody with as talented well, as Brock well, I'll Bob. say this: if <laughs> I don't mean this at all, but you know, <laughs> I was watching the game. You know, I saw some things going on, on the sideline with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, obviously bumping yeah. into Andy Reid. I will say, if Shane Steichen gets bumped like that, I don't know if he stays up. I don't know if he stays up. I don't know if he. I don't know if he bumps somebody back. I heard he's pretty fiery. Things like that. Obviously, joking, but um, I think he would welcome that type of potent talent at tight end. And obviously if you have any player with the potential to become, you know, one of the best at his position, that's something to consider because those players, you know, from reading about Brock Bowers, Marvin Harrison Jr. Probably more than anybody, like they don't come around. Those prospects don't come around every year. And so it is worth considering. And I'm sure it's something that they've already considered so far, but, you know, again, like you said, if it's cornerback at 15, if it's another wide receiver, if it's an edge rusher, if it's, you know, something else that you think is vital for this team, because there are some holes. And I, and, and honestly, I had a, I had to do a, um, what we call our all 32, where we all send in one of the team needs. And that was one of the questions was, what's your team's biggest needs this offseason? And I was like, wait, this is so easy to answer last year. And now I can go a couple of different ways at 15 and feel comfortable about what they're doing. What I will say is this. Let me ask you this real quick, Jim. Do you think there's a possibility he could trade back? Chris Ballard. 100%. Always. <laughs> I say this and drop my head because I don't want to spend any more time in that room at West 56th Street than I have to on draft day because those days are long. But, yeah, I could see that happening too because it's not a top 10 pick. But, man, I, uh, you better be right about being able to get who you want if you move back. But we'll see. I think – if somebody, if a GM called Chris Ballard and said, "Hey, more picks," Chris Ballard would go, "What? What's oh that? What's goodness. that? What do you got? What do you got for and, me?" What, and I, what, and what I'll, be, I'll be busting into the, the, <laughs> the room like, "Hey, man, 
you know, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to be, you know, uh, by myself in solitude, not talking to Chap <laughs> and Joel and Steven <laughs> and Nate and whoever else about, you know, uh, what's going on in the draft. Bob as well. But no, I mean, it, I do think it's a possibility. I'm joking, but that's the other thing is, is if I had to lean, will he, will he or won't he? I would say it's probably, this is just me spitballing. I'm not reporting anything. Uh, 60 40 60 40 keep it 40 trade it back i think he i think he listen i think last year when he took anthony richardson i think he had to fight off those demons on his shoulder being like you could trade back you could trade back right now i remember the last day they went from having like eight picks to like 12 or whatever it was i was like what the heck is going on um every time i tried to like get ready for like the next pick they're like oh the colts made a trade and i'm like oh my goodness and so um again i'm excited about it though because i do think that this gives me just more reason to dive more into different players um, and different trends around the league because you really can go a couple different ways and not be wrong. Like there's not, I mean, there would have to be, they would have to draft like, I don't know, like a safety or something at 15 for me to be like, what the heck is going on? Why? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and even then, yeah, I would, I would have to, I would have to be shocked. There would have to be somebody that I never heard of or something. But I don't anticipate that at all. I think that they are confident that they can build a team to contend next year. Not just contend, but like, you know, similar to how Houston did get in and make some noise because um, that's all you want in the NFL is to get in. Because once you get in, you got a chance. And obviously, you got more of a chance if you got the Patrick Mahomes of the world or the Josh Allens or the Lamar Jacksons and others and Brock Purdy's and, and the loaded teams around them. But I mean, we saw a couple upsets there, too. So if you get in, there's a chance you can win. And that's all you want. And then on top of that, you're gaining valuable experience. Um, even without the playoff game, those rookies got to experience a playoff-like game in the, yeah, season, effectively. In the season finale. And yeah. knowing like what the margins are for victory or defeat and knowing how much you have to like execute on that stage. And Anthony didn't get that. You know, I remember Chris Ballard told him, hey, you don't feel this. Make sure you remember this feeling, all those things. And he didn't get a chance to really feel it. Like, I'm sure he felt the stadium, the vibes, the emotion of it. He was distraught after they lost. Like, he had just played as well. But now it's about can you stay healthy, get experience, and then hopefully have a team around you that's been curated to help you succeed. Two things I want to say is that I've always been a big believer in using free agency to try to, not to, like, you know, spend big, but, like, use it to kind of fill in the gaps that way you don't enter the draft with a need with like a glaring need. Like we right. have to draft this right. position. So I would love to see that's, that's one approach. I'd like to see Chris Ballard take even again, you don't have to I'm not saying spend at the top of the cornerback market and the safety market and the, you know, rec you know, receiver and just, but get guys that if they have to start, that's okay. That, that that's, and they're, you're comfortable with them starting. And then if the draft comes along and you're able to add at that position as well, great. Now you have great depth or a guy to learn behind or any of different things. So that's, that's the kind of mentality I'd like to see Chris Ballard have going in. And the other thing I'll say is maybe more of a big statement, but you talked about that experience in the playoffs and what they need and, and make a noise like the Texans did this year. I am trying, I told you, I'm trying not to go overboard on Anthony Richardson where I think I've maybe already crossed the line is on Shane Steichen. I do think that, I do think that in a playoff game, there aren't a lot of coaches where I believe they'll be the Colts will be at a disadvantage. I think Stane Steichen will give them an advantage in more games than he won't. In terms of this is my guy calling plays versus your guy calling plays, 
I, most of the time, unless he's running into Steve Spagnuolo, who's just a ridiculous wizard, uh, I, you know, I, I'm gonna bet on Steichen because I, I really fair. do think he is that good of a of a play calling coach. Now, again, some of the other coaching stuff is coming together, but I think we saw a lot of good stuff in terms of kind of the more the, the CEO aspects of the job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw a lot of good things there too, but just you, and like you said, sometimes these games in the playoffs it comes down to. Who's who, a lot of times it comes down to who's the better like in week preparer one game matchup who like who can find each other's weakness faster and win this game and I gotta tell you I I think Steichen is I think he's got the potential to be one of the best in the NFL at that absolutely I can agree with that he'll never say it but I'll say it yeah. for him because he's so <laughs> yeah. uh and we'll I will have more on that I promise I got, I got something yeah up yeah a I was, that was a little bit of a tease for you guys out there we got yeah, some stuff yeah. coming on that so yeah um but yeah I, I mean. And I, I just taught, I said this at the beginning of the podcast, and I drive myself crazy because it's like you got to take time off, you got to relax. But the football fan in me, probably more than anything, is like, man, like Super Bowl just ended. When is the combine? You know, uh, <laughs> you know yeah. when's, when's OTAs? When's this? Because it's a year round endeavor. I feel like, man, you you build year round for the game that was Week 18 because. To this to this point, I have not covered a playoff game, NBA, NFL, WNBA, at the pro level. And so that was my closest feeling to that. And I was like, man, this is what's up. And so if I'm feeling like that as a writer, I'm sure the players are probably like, you know, primetime, do or die, sink or swim. This is where I need to be. And, you know, take it from Anthony Richardson himself, who said he's going to be, you know, uh, basically – Gas out of the way to the floor, you know, uh, pedals to the metal. He's working his way to get back. He already said he's not really going to give himself, like, the time off that he would have had he played an entire season. He doesn't really need to as far as wear and tear on his body. He doesn't have any of that stuff. So that's a good thing, actually. So now it's all about can he just get ready to go and be ready to throw when it comes to all the offseason stuff, get a full offseason with Jonathan Taylor, both of them back healthy, you know, Obviously, sign Pittman. There's some big decisions in free agency. The no-brainer is to sign Pittman. That will happen if it doesn't happen. I don't know what I'll do. Uh, I'll probably just write a letter to uh, <laughs> write a letter to Ursay himself and be like, "What did you do? You know, make sure that you uh, you know, back up the brain truck for him, and then figure out you know other guys like the Kenny Moores, the Gro the Grover Stewarts, the Julian Blackmans, um, even like a punter like Rigoberto Sanchez." What decisions will you make? Because obviously, I think when I was going through their upcoming free agents, the notable ones on the team, the majority of them I think should be brought back. But just the reality is they won't. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be some people who might want to look elsewhere, or there might be some people that I might be higher on than the GM and the decision makers are high on. But the bottom line is there's going to be change. There's going to be some, you know, shifting ground underneath the feet of the players and the franchise. However, you do feel more stable than you were a year ago because you got, you got two huge questions to answer. You got your quarterback, you got your head coach, and now it's all about health and opportunity and money. Spend some, please. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm like, again, I, I don't want to be sitting up here talking about, you know, oh man, they should have shored up this and they didn't spend any money to do so. Cause I do think that's been a, a glaring issue sometimes in, in Ballard's tenure is like, we see these issues we addressed him with him, and he's like, oh, you know what? I'm thinking about this, this, this. Man, 
you got a kind of a pass last year because no one expected you all to be that good. And and I, I stand by this. I don't even think the players themselves expected themselves to be that good. Maybe at the beginning of training camp when Shane Steichen was first kind of implementing his plan or whatever. But now you know that you can be good. And you got some guys who aren't going to be around forever. Like DeForest Buckner's not getting any younger. Got to capitalize on him too, you know. We talked about capitalizing on the rookie contract. Capitalize on these veterans who are still playing at a very high level this late in their career. So um, I'm excited, man. It, it should be fun. The combine will be a blast, I'm sure. Um, we'll might have to check in before that. Obviously, we'll check in after that and during that. But um, I mean, this is where I'm like, I feel like most at uh just hungry for the next season because that's when it becomes official for me. Like even now, I have a file on my computer where I put all my stories and it, it's like Colts 2023 folder. I haven't like put anything into the 2024 folder until I'm like officially into like, okay, combine it's here. Yeah. 2024 it's here, second yeah. season, Anthony Richardson. I can't say rookie quarterback. I'd say sophomore quarterback or second year quarterback, but this is what it's about. It, it's time to, you know, get back at it because it's not going to get any easier for you. <laughs> your division got better. Your conference got better. And so, um, and, you know, two-time reigning champs is from your your you know your conference, and 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 a lot of the last few champs are from, are from your conference. So, um, got to figure it out, and that's that's where I'm excited to document whatever decisions they make, and be glad that I'm not making them because they're big decisions for sure. <laughs> All right, we got one minute before we get out of here. I'm gonna give you the one minute to tell everybody you're working on some NBA All Star preview stuff. I want people to, like, I'm sure there are fans listening that are dialed in for Indianapolis All Star Weekend. What do you got coming? Oh, I meant to say this too, as I forgot. Reggie Wayne robbed, robbed. I do want to say we can't that. get into it now. You know, <laughs> we, won't, we won't. We'll end it. But I just want to throw. You're it right out. though. I Con I, congrats I, to Dwight Freeney though. Yes, we can Dwight, say that too. yes. Congrats to Dwight Freeney. But yeah, Reggie Wayne. I hear your brother robbed. But anyways, um, as far as All Star Weekend goes, I'll have some really cool things coming out on the court at the airport. Some really cool sneakers. I'll just leave it at that. Um, a really cool employee at the Pacers facility who is an Indianapolis native. Uh, he's going to be involved in All-Star Weekend in only one unique, really cool way. And then obviously I'm following around Tyrese Halliburton to get the latest on him being the unofficial host of All-Star Weekend, the first All-Star starter for Indiana since Paul George 2016. And obviously it's here in Indianapolis. So um, I will not sleep very much this week. Don't really care. Should be fun. I'm excited about it. So just stay tuned for that as I give you some NBA you know, access NBA stories as well as some big time NFL stuff as well. Yep. All that's coming up. In the meantime, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon.